I haven't arrived. I'm not super successful. I'm just real. Yeah. Welcome to the Beautiful Project Podcast. What's it going to take for you, like you said, to see me? How? I don't understand. A place for ordinary women sharing extraordinary truths. I am fat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I'm so much, you know, I'm learning to tell myself that I am so much more. Let my hair grow out. I can wear the clothes I want to wear. I can eat what I want to eat. Who are waiting for you to be their witness. If I can do anything... I want to be able to inspire people to just be their best. Welcome back to the Beautiful Project podcast. I'm Sarah Stevens, your host for this podcast and the founder of the Beautiful Project. This final season of the podcast is focusing in on some of the people and places and opportunities I've had to come back to my body. And today's guest is a part of that story, although a newer part of that story. Um, Before we came on mic, we were just talking about the fact that I actually don't really know her that well, so I'm super excited that she (laughs) said yes. Uh, um, We have had one session together, and uh, as a result, I'm not going to do much introduction on her behalf, because all I really know is that that one session was badass for me and very important um, to what I know is sort of the next layer of me coming back to myself. So, Callie, thank you for saying yes. <laughs> You're welcome. And hanging out on the microphone with me. Yeah. So this is Callie, and I'm going to let Callie tell you who she is and what she does. Thanks. I'm so curious. I want to throw this back to you in a minute after this and find out like what was so powerful for you. Sure. Um, but also, my name is Callie Easton. I am the owner of the Kalioki Movement Lounge. And really my work is centered in bringing people home to their bodies, getting them reconnected or staying connected and creating safe spaces so that they can do that. And you do that through movement primarily? Yes, um, but also breath and stillness. You know, there's lots of pieces that come together to help create safe spaces both outside the body and inside the body. And sometimes depending on the day or the moment, that may be different from the last day or moment. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of create this, my whole thing is creating this idea of curiosity, you know, just taking in information that comes from the body, what is happening, and then using compassion to figure out like, huh, what do I do with that information? Mm. That sounds familiar um, (laughs) to other Actually, I feel like there's going to be a theme in this season, which shouldn't surprise me because, of course, curiosity and compassion uh, would make a lot of sense. That's not the first time that those words have been used inside of this season, actually. Oh, for so, sure. Um, which I think it requires, I think our journey back to ourselves, our, our movement back toward ourselves requires curiosity and compassion. So that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, to answer your question uh, about what was so like mind-blowing for me, it was my... You completely upended my understanding of the role of exercise in my Ah. life. So I would have told you that I used, that I use exercise as a stress reliever. Mm -hmm. And before I launch into this next sentence, I want to say that this is a evolution for me. Like this is still very much, um, this question around my relationship with movement is I'm only in the beginning places of unraveling some pretty deeply wired, less than stellar habits. And by less than stellar, I mean just um, 
really kind of abusive to myself and I'm just seeing it through that lens. So I feel like a baby in this conversation. Um, I often will share things after I've processed all the way through them. And our conversation is not going to be that because I've only just really begun in this part, which is also strange for me because I feel like I've been at this idea of coming back to my body for a long time. And if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have said, no, I'm like in a great place about movement and exercise. And I consistently use exercise to relieve stress, right? Yeah, so common. So, so common. And then you, so I talked about like, I had actually, so here's a little context. Our first session, I had just gotten off of a hit ride on my bike and I had just hit my goal for December. My, my goal for December was 200 rides. Why 200 rides? Well, because the month before I had done like 170 and um, I'm sorry, 200 miles, not rides. Dear God, that would have been really unhinged. But 200 miles is still a lot. It's a lot. Somebody had said on social media, they were like, you're so close to 200 the month before. Mm. Uh, Because I was at the time sharing my results because that's what people, well, definitely people in fat bodies like to be performative about what we do. Not, we don't like to be, we're conditioned to be performative. about like we need to. Absolutely. So I am like dripping sweat, late to our session, had to hit my goal. And you basically were like, do you like doing that? And I am just serious curiosity, you know? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it's, I have to, to get the release. Like I particularly hit or something super intense. I, I like crave that so that I can get what happens on the other side. Yeah. That endorphin rush, like that whole experience. And, um, you just like real gently talked about nervous system regulation and dysregulation in like a very high level. And I was like, oh, okay. Actually, I really like to recreate chaos, a, a feeling mm. of internal chaos. Um, yeah, I function best when things are up. Correct. Things are upregulated. Yes. That's familiar to me. Yes. Yeah, so common. So when you said that, I was like, shit. <laughs> maybe I don't actually like it. Damn it, I hate when that happens. I hate it. And maybe I, I have no idea whether or not I like it. Yeah. And actually over these months, what I'm discovering is I like it very occasionally. Ah, so interesting. Rarely do I. I, I actually, I don't know if it's coincidental. I probably should have paid attention. I hopped on this morning and did my first hit ride in a long time. Um, and I don't know. I still don't know if I like it. I think I like the familiarity of... Yeah. The intensity, the sweat, the 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 way it, that they all the the endorphins flood my body, mm-hmm. right? I do like that. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm ever not going to like that, but but the fact that that was all I was doing, right? That's all I was doing was just constantly creating this. Um, how do I get super chaotic so that I can come down? And I, how do I get chaotic again, right? Mm-hmm. Which I'm a sober person, um, and so recovery is a common. Um, it's like it's a common experience for me and I'm thinking about things in that lens a lot. Yeah. And this feels in some ways very similar to me. For sure. Absolutely. I actually uh, started kind of working with a trainer um, not too long ago and we, I walked into a box gym and the smell of the place, like the whole sensory experience of being in the gym, it was like walking into a bar and sniffing whiskey, like yeah. similar feelings, right? The senses are so powerful, right? Mm -hmm. So that was a very long answer to your question, but uh, you just held up a mirror. What'd you do that? Like you just kind of held up a mirror and asked a a question about 
a curious question. Yeah. Um, I think so much of the work around movement is asking the right question. Mm-hmm. You know, so many times we don't realize the disorder around eating or around movement or around body image because we aren't asking people the right questions. You know, I have my own journey. I'm, um, that's you know, where I, I was going to, I wanted you to talk about why this work sure. is important to you. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This would be a good, a good segue. So, um, I had a big move in my life. I had some family stuff going on my life and my life. And then all of a sudden I had these seemingly unconnected, but clearly connected health issues. And I'd had all of these tests and, um, doctors and everyone was kind of like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. None of this makes any sense. And I'm like, well, it certainly doesn't make any sense to me either, but I'm clearly experiencing these things. Like I got to do something. Mm-hmm. So with vi- no guidance from any of them, I was just like, oh, weight loss solves everything. Yep. So that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And, and weight loss, you know, on the surface may have seemed to have solved a lot of things as far as blood work goes and the number on a scale goes, but it, it didn't solve the pain and the hurt and the suffering that was happening on the inside. But no one asked me about that. Mm. Um, and so I, you know, I look back and I think of the moment where I met a, a really lovely dietitian who you've interviewed or going to, yes. going to share that yeah. interview. Yeah. Um, and as well as a yoga teacher who, who just were so pivotal in my life and asked the right questions. And, you know, I'd go to the doctor and it's like, are you eating? Well, yeah. Are you exercising? Yeah. Are you getting enough water? Yeah. They didn't ask anything deeper than that. Was mm-hmm. I eating? Barely. Was I moving my body? Way too fucking much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they didn't, can I say that? Yeah. Okay. Sure. It's me. <laughs> you need to edit that out. No, we do uh, not. No. Nope. Um, but I was, you know, two a days and multiple hours a day. It's ridiculous. You know, I just, it wasn't serving me. You know, there's certainly a, a, a purpose, you know, if we're training for the Olympics or things like that, you know, this, there's, there's always, um, you know, gray area, right. But when you're not nourishing yourself enough and you're, you're working out until collapse, um, that's not okay. That's not healthy. You know, it's not a supportive life. And people just didn't ask me the right questions. And so I met Michelle, I met my dear friend, the yoga teacher, and I got on a mat, which I arrived on the mat because I was doing two a day workouts and I was just abusing my body, like you say. Yep. And I needed to stretch because yep. I was just, I had really tight hips. Yep. Same. So, <laughs> so funny jokes on me. So I arrive on my yoga mat and she's talking about, you know, honoring your body and listen to your body. And the whole time I'm looking around there, I'm like, what in the hell is she talking about? And I'm, I'm so confused, but I'm like, okay, I'm just doing the things. I'm going through the poses. All right. And I leave the class. I was like, that was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I think I'll go back Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I did. And finally, this idea of checking in with myself kind of caught on. And I realized that for a very long length of time, I was not doing that. Mm -hmm. And I got really curious, kind of intuitively. It's it's interesting how this work kind of came to me by way of my own experience and the things that I I just instinctively knew when I allowed myself to know them and to feel them and to be with it instead of you know doing these two a day workouts and numbing everything out and ignoring all the pain and hurt and suffering and just shoving it down like no I'm not dealing with that right now I'm doing this thing instead and when you kind of let yourself, you know, get vulnerable or feel exposed and you let some of this harder, more curious work in, shit changes. <laughs> um, you start to make some major changes in life. And I'm so grateful for those two people because I just, I can't, I don't know where I would have ended up, mm-hmm. you know, if I'd have kept on that trajectory of just abusing my body the way that I was. And I understand it now from such a different perspective because I was trying to cope. Yep. 
I was trying to understand what was happening in my body, why I felt betrayed by these health issues and why this, you know, suffering of the family and all of this was, was so painful and hard to deal with. I understand now, but I also understand that there's other ways. And that wasn't something I had any concept of before. Um, and so that's, that's how I landed here. Mm. And this is why I started studying these things. Like, how do people end up this way? You know, eating disorders, it's not a, a, an issue of I'm not, I don't look good. You know, this isn't just like people who are vain right. and just thinking like, I just need to change my body because I'm not beautiful enough. You know, there is elements of that, but this is, this is mental health stuff we're talking about. Yeah. It's so misunderstood. That's such an important thing because a lot of times I'll get some pushback with my audience about, mm. um, but I'm not losing weight for the aesthetic of mm. losing weight. And I'm like, no, I understand that mm-hmm. because they, they want to, they want to move into that space of, but this is about my health. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand how those things have been conflated. Like, oh, for sure. Deeply understand it. Right? Oh, I'm a walking proof of that. You know, this is all because I'm so unhealthy right now. I can't figure out what's going on with me. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the lengths to which we'll go to sell ourselves on that, on not to sell ourselves, the lengths to, the lengths to which corporations have gone to sell mm. us on that. Yeah, for real. Are pretty um, disgusting. Yeah, gross. Disgusting. Super gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I I appreciate that you brought up the fact that the the experience for you moved beyond just an aesthetic, um, trying to align with an aesthetic. That it was, for me, it became about identity and virtue and worth mm, yeah. and things that had nothing to do with. Whether or not I was a size six, it didn't, that's not what it didn't matter. That was not what I was actually after. I was after a feeling of enoughness or enoughness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, I think that when we conflate the pursuit of weight loss or eating disorders, um, with a chasing an aesthetic alone, it's just doing, we're we're missing a a big, huge piece. I think for me that one of the biggest things that I, gained and one of the hardest things for me to lose when I kind of got off that ship was connection. You know, when you get so entrenched in diet culture and shrinking your body and moving your body excessively, there are people there at that gym who are right there in that boat with you. God, yeah. And you start to feel this connection. And what I've realized since I've stepped back from that is that's what I was missing. You know, I didn't have this family connection, this shit was going on and I wasn't feeling connected and supported. And so I found that in those people, we were all there on this mission to shrink our bodies and do the things. And then when I got off that boat and I decided like, I'm not sure this is actually the the healthiest route for me. It felt so alone, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I started studying trauma and yoga and, and, and I learned that, you know, humans are wired for survival. So the choices that we make are deeply rooted in how do we survive? You know, mm-hmm. it's why our nervous systems activate because they sense threat and they move us to take action. Or maybe we decide that it's best to get the heck out or throw punches or, or just freeze, shut down. And also we're wired for connection. You know, when, we're, when we think back to people living on the land and, and everybody has a job and a role and we all play our part in, you know, collecting food and water and creating housing and, and clothing and all of these things, raising children... We're deeply wired to have to feel connected. We need to know that we're part of the tribe and that the group, and I use that word gently, of course, but we, we want to know that we're part of the group and that everyone has our back and we're still wired that way. Mm-hmm. And so we find such connection sometimes in this disordered world of eating and moving our bodies mm-hmm. and it can be really lonely on the other side. Um, and so I think understanding just how important that connection is and why we feel so connected to people and how hard it is to walk away from that world is really, really um, it's tough and it's worth mentioning. I actually just had this experience this week. I was talking to somebody, uh, yoga played an enormous part 
in my yeah. own story as well and coming back to myself. I, like you, did not get on my mat because I was I thought I was craving that. Mm-hmm. I, I of course, found myself in a hot studio being yeah. very hot yoga. Yeah, very, for like, sure. Intense. Campy, super mm-hmm. intense. Um, the more intense, the better. Like, if I could wring my clothes out when I left, that was a sign of oh, having achieved, yeah. you know? Um, so I was just talking to somebody recently about uh, that evolution for me, uh, how yoga worked on me more than I ever mm-hmm. knew it was going to yeah, and how it continues to. But um, locally we've gone through the closure of a studio, which is uh, it's not just a studio, right? So it's the place I practiced for 10 years and I practiced with the same people for 10 years. Yeah. And um, the teacher, I, I went, there were a number of teachers, but there was one in particular for me that's just been at the front of that class for 10 years. And so I was talking about like, how do I get that feeling back? Mm -hmm. And this person said to me, they talked to actually about it from, from a perspective of having um, had our nervous systems co-regulated all these years that we've been co-regulating with each other. And then as soon as she started talking about it like that, and then she talked about the grief of not having that. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in a coffee shop full crying yeah. and I had no idea I was even sad. Yeah. Just FYI. No idea. I was. I mean, I was sad in the way that like, I actually feel mostly sad about um, what that closure means for the people who own the place. For sure. Right. I did not internalize any sort of grief on my own about what this meant mm-hmm. and how my own... Um, how something I'd counted on for so long to get regulated with the people that I knew and the yeah. feelings and, and how it's gone now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we, I, I agree, I don't think we have any idea that that's what's actually happening yeah. when we walk into those gyms and we have our people. And there's, to be clear, no criticism of having your people. No, none. Right? No, because again, all of these things serve a purpose mm-hmm. and helping us sur- do something, survive, connect, whatever yep. it is, they all serve a purpose. So absolutely no judgment. You know, we all we all have the steps in our journey that get us where we are and we get to ultimately choose, like, is this where I want to stay? Yeah. Or is there some other way I might be able to do this? Yeah. And there's no judgment around that. So you mentioned moving into training um, yoga and trauma. You want to talk a little bit about your training and then sort of how that's um, translated into the work that you, or what it is that you offer yeah. in your work? Where do I begin? I think I'll forever be a student. Um, I'll start there. You know, when we talk about being trauma-informed, it doesn't end. You know, there's just always something else to learn and more to know. I... I firmly believe in that work. I firmly believe that, you know, I I wish I'd known then what I know now, right, of, you know, every yoga teacher training should have some component of trauma education because the way that I teach now is significantly different than the way that I taught when I was was brand new. And so much of that is just, it's really simple things, you know, creating safety, like letting people know where the door is, that you lock class or lock the door at class time. Very simple things that can help just really create a safe space for people who are just really unsure about being there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, learning people's names, mm-hmm. calling them by who they are, recognizing them and their pronouns and honoring whatever that is. Um, and I think the other thing about studying trauma is that it really opens your eyes to the systems that we have in place that just don't fucking work. Amen. <laughs> they don't work. You know like what? Tell me a little bit. Uh, about oh gosh. That. <laughs> the list is long girl. <laughs> You know, we can we can start with a number of things. Like, you know, I think a lot of the things that come up for me and the folks I'm working with are are things related to how our bodies look, you know, yeah. how we don't realize how fat phobia and body shame impact 
people in this world. You know, I was just having a conversation with someone the other day about, have you ever walked in somewhere and, and been worried that your ass isn't going to fit in the chair? And she was just like, I've never, I've never even thought of that. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, there's, there's these privileges that we have in thin bodies or in white bodies that we, we don't recognize and just imagine, you know, I was, I was saying like, okay, so what, what if you had to take a bus to work every day? And the bus came at 9.45 a.m. and you had to be at work at one. So you'd take the bus and you sit around there until one o'clock and then the bus doesn't leave until 9 p.m. but you were off at six. Mm -hmm. And what do you do with your kids? Yeah. You know, these are just things that we, we don't think about. And those things absolutely impact the way that people are able to connect to their bodies and the way that people are able to regulate their nervous systems. Mm -hmm. And you just, you teach differently when you, when you recognize and hold space for these things, for yeah. sure. Uh, we've referenced nervous system regulation. Yeah. Do you want to give like a three minute? Oh, is that all? Five minutes. <laughs> just talk about why that's important, what that means. Like people who yeah. are like, what, I'm, I've, I feel like it is tr starting to trend. Yeah, for sure. Nervous mm -hmm. system regulation, which is great. Yeah. And I never even really considered it playing a part until recently in, yeah. in my own healing. So if you could speak to it about it, that'd be great. Yeah. So in a, in a very basic sense, we talk about we're wired for survival. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when we, when we take this into consideration, it helps us normalize the fact that sometimes our body has responses to things that we just can't quite understand. So I always say, if you're being chased by a tiger, you want your body to be able to respond, right? Mm -hmm. You want your body to be like, Oh, Hey, that's probably pretty scary. We should run. We don't want to live in that state of feeling like we have to run or escape. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about nervous system regulation, we talk about ways of, of checking in with the body to just see what, what's going on. Am I feeling my heart racing? Do I notice my breath is shallow in my chest instead of being able to be deeper in my body? Can I feel my feet on the earth? Does everything feel kind of like up and crazy, you know, wild, spinning? Um, and we talk about how we can, we can tune into the body then, start to sense into these things. And then we develop tools that we can use to help bring the body kind of back to home base. So we wanna be able to ride the emotions and the, the experiences of life. We, what we hope that will happen is that we build this window of tolerance so that when that tiger chases us or we have this threat or this experience, we don't go so far offline that we, we can't respond in a way that is supportive. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about managing this window of tolerance or this capacity for tolerating this way, the waves of life, the things that come and go. Inevitably, we're going to have hard times. We're going to have scary times. We're going to have, you know, things that are emotionally difficult or whatever. And so we build this tolerance for being able to better manage that by being able to check in with the body, noticing what sensations we're experiencing, and then being able to hopefully interact with those, particularly with the breath. The breath is, is super powerful. You know, our autonomic nervous system is responsible for so many things. Digestion which impacts, you know, our, our eyes change. Um, when we sense a threat, our eyes change so that we take in more light. Our ears change so we hear tones differently. Uh, we bring you know, blood to the extremities so we can fight flight. Mm -hmm. um, all of these things are happening. And so many times we don't even realize that that's you know, even a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we can only control so many of those things. One of them is the breath. And so when we can start to feel these sensations and we can help use the breath to slow the system down. Mm -hmm. So for instance, we're feeling anxious. We can take in a breath and exhale slower and just noticing how that changes the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. 
that that breath was good. I felt a little sleepy Ooh. all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is the detriment to staying to mm. being dysregulated? Oh man, so many things. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk in yoga. We often talk about dis-ease of the body, mm-hmm. um, but so many things. You know, we're not. It's 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 hard on our. Um, immune health. It's hard on our hormonal health. I mean, so many of these systems are not meant. It's like driving your car at 120 miles an hour all the time. Things are going to start to break down, right? We're not meant to be 120 miles an hour, full out, maxed out effort all of the time. We're going to hit that level of exhaustion and shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, the body can only go for so long. Um, and it, it, it really does impact all of the systems of the body. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Would you uh, speculate that as a culture, we're pretty much mostly dysregulated? Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, collectively? I think that because we lack awareness about what even the nervous system is or does and how we might be experiencing upregulation or downregulation, it's probably safe to say that maybe we don't have a very good awareness mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. I, I would guess there's people listening to this and going like, what is this lady even talking about? <laughs> you know? Um, I, I experience it regularly, especially when we talk about the breath. You know, when I talk with people about breathing into their lower half of their body, they're like, if my shoulders don't touch my ears when I breathe, like, I don't even know how to breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, they're so used to breathing in that dysregulated way where we're high up in the chest because we're, we're seeking threat. You know, when you're being chased by a tiger, you can't like relax and soften the belly and breathe into the belly, Mm -hmm. but sure as hell you can breathe into your shoulders and get those suckers a pumping, right? (laughs) Um, So that's kind of the difference. It's like, oh yeah, if I need to be active and I need to be in motion, I want my body to do those things, but I don't probably want to live there. Yeah. So For people, so uh, I'm thinking back to a conversation I had once in a gym, of course, and we were talking about the role that, at the time I would have called it movement, but mm. it. you also asked me in our first session, what's the difference between movement and exercise? <laughs> I thought you were going to bring that up. And I was perplexed. <laughs> I'm still a little bit perplexed, mm. but it's fine. I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, it's a practice, right? Just like yoga. That's right. Uh, so... But I, what I did when I quit dieting and wanted to, you know, push off of diet culture, I just started using the word movement mm. instead of the word exercise. That's yeah. really what happened is yeah. I just was just like, no, this is movement mm. now because I know movement is something I'm supposed to be doing. Ah. Right. And it's, and actually it's, it's the same way that people don't really want to talk like why Weight Watchers is now mm-hmm. WW, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Like it's a rebrand because it's not diet, it's a health change. It's a it's a lifestyle, lifestyle change. Excuse me, lifestyle change. Yes, yes, yes. Oh man, that just yeah. I could get real tight about that. But mm-hmm. um yeah, so I was having this conversation with somebody and we were we were talking about quote unquote our relationship with movement, which is really just our relationship with exercise. Not just, but anyway, she said I was talking about how I um, use it for this release. And and she started to talk about really what is a dissociative experience Mm -hmm. in exercise. And I realized that I too, Ah. like dissociation and exercise is like, I I talked about how I was craving the release. I, the front side of the release is actually not being in my body at all. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And so I'm curious if you discover that as like a, is that common? Is that like a yes, thing? That's a thing. That's so such a thing. You know, and, and it's it's interesting when we talk about you talked about being sober. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing. You know, we don't we don't drink to feel, right? Mm-hmm. We drink to numb. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's it's very much the same thing. I'm, I'm taking a training right now actually on compulsive exercise with Amy Gardner. And she talks about if you didn't run today or if you didn't cycle today or whatever thing that we were going to do to get your body upregulated, what would you have to feel? Yeah, see, and I it's just and it's panicky, and you're like, stomach. no, 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 don't make me do it, right? <laughs> yeah, and I love that because it is. It's this reality check of like, shit, I was just like checking out, like I was just setting that baggage down next to my treadmill and doing my thing. Yes, right. Yes, yeah, and I, it's just so eye opening when you think of it that way. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's so common. Yes, to answer your question, yes, absolutely. It's it's this idea of like, okay, what am I running from? Mm-hmm. Right in my like stationary bike. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting when we think about this idea of the nervous system, um, you know, it, it doesn't, if, if we are feeling like this stuff that we are carrying is, is too much, it does feel threatening or unsafe to open that suitcase and deal with what's inside. Of course we're running. Mm-hmm. Of course we're pedaling our legs off mm-hmm. because we're running from it, literally. We don't want to. And the other part of that is that if we're feeling it's a threat, how backwards is it to say to the body, okay, calm down, slow down, just go sit on your mat and be still? No, because the nervous system is saying there's a threat here. We can't sit on the mat and be still. We need you to run your legs off. Right. Right. So we, d- we do more damage by just being like, oh, you're, you're anxious. You're feeling uneasy about all of this baggage, the stuff you're bringing in here. I just need you to sit there and be quiet and just meditate for a moment. <laughs> yeah. And the and nervous system is like, no, 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 no. Don't screaming, make me do it. Don't make me do it. Yeah. Right. That's not helpful. Yeah. So it does make sense when you think about it that way. It's like, oh, of course we want to run our legs off. Our nervous system is like activated, activated, activated. We're in motion. We want to be mobile. Yeah. So it makes such sense, you know. And then on the, the other side of that is sometimes when we don't have that much activation, we don't burn up all that stuff that's swirling in the body. So we don't come out the other side of exhausted, tired. Mm. Sometimes we have to, to go to that point so that we can calm down. So we can burn all that off and come to this place of like, holy shit, I can, I can take a breath. Yeah. You know, and the idea with, with the work that we're talking about and, and movement and relationships with movement is that we don't have to do that, that we can arrive at this place without having to go to the place of exhaustion first. Yeah, see, so that's the part that's still <laughs> elusive. I saw me. the skids just come on. <laughs> no, good, good. It's good. It's, but it's elusive to me. Uh, I, yeah. I, like it, I, I actually, different from the first time we talked, mm-hmm. at where I was, this, the brakes were on. I uh-huh. was like, no, now I'm, you're like curious, like maybe. Yeah, now I'm maybe. like, no, I think that that would be great. I don't. How I do we get there? Ha- yeah, I don't have the skills. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. understand it. Yeah, uh, like in a lived experience way. Sure. Um, but the part of the process I'm, or my process that I'm in now is, uh, I just said to my wife last night, I was supp- quote supposed to ride the bike yesterday, and I got home and I didn't want to. I mean, my, I just didn't want to. I made yeah. I made dinner like I paid attention to making dinner instead. One of the things that's happened, a major shift for me since we worked together that one time, was. Um, <laughs> When you're not compulsively exercising, you end up with more time, right? Mm-hmm. And I've spent it in the kitchen actually, uh, believe it or not, like uh, implementing some of the the principles of intuitive eating, uh, like being yeah. present with food. Yeah. Because food for me, I would stop dieting, but what I did, the, the swing the opposite direction was like, I didn't really want to think about food at all. Mm, sure. I don't want to... Th- I all, that's all I've done is think about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes and sense. now I have permission to not think about it anymore. And so being in the kitchen, being intentional about the groceries that I was choosing and like, what do I, what do I want to put in my body? I've actually had this 
awakening there in my kitchen mm. in a really beautiful way because and it started with the not uh, compulsive exercising yeah. so yeah like what else can you do with your life yes. if you don't spend the time that way yes. yeah it's such a beautiful like thought and it's it's funny because I thought that there of course as we talked about mm, that connection of my body is this big and I am working out all the time like what will happen if sure. I stop right and and I've had to look at that question multiple times in the last four years. Um, and we're sold a line about what will happen. Mm-hmm. We're sold an idea about what will happen. Yeah. I um, will drop dead of a heart attack at any given moment and probably have to be rescued from my bed because I won't be able to move. Yeah. That's the... Yep, all the things. Right, that's mm-hmm. what we see yeah. over and over and over. But I can tell you that just in these few months and this subtle shift, again, similar to my experience with intuitive eating... Um, while I'm aware that I'm probably just tip of the iceberg at this point, the gains that I've had in my actual life yeah. as a result of just un- just understanding my relationship with exercise just a little differently. Mm-hmm. And it allows me some pause to now to ask myself like, am I craving the hit ride because I want this because I because I want the sweat or whatever? Or is there something here that I'm trying to dissociate from? Yeah. And the yeah. answer has been surprisingly yes, multiple times, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm not at the place where I know how to feel any of those things yet. Sure, I, sure. because they are. It's such a well-worn neural pathway for yes. me. Yes. Right? Oh, I was just going to say something about that. I'm so glad you mentioned well, that. Well, jump right in there. Okay. What do you yes. want to say about the neural pathways? You know, the thing, the thing that I I try to remind people of is that we become really good at what we practice, mm-hmm. right? We build really strong neural pathways for what we do frequently. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about rewiring the brain to do something different, mm-hmm. it is really hard, right? We've spent 35 years, 40 years doing this thing this way. And I always talk about it like two Tonka trucks. Like you have the Tonka truck that you've had this whole time and you've driven it on this highway and that highway is so smooth, smooth sailing, easy breezy. And there's that other Tonka truck over there that houses this other stuff you haven't tried yet. And the road is like super bumpy and it's very, you know, dirt roadish. And now you're kind of starting to think like, oh, I might drive that one day. And the road gets a little smoother and you're like, mm, yeah, I like my old ways better. So we drive the first truck and it gets even more smooth on that clean, clear highway. And then you're like, mm, I'll try that other truck again. It gets a little smoother on that path, right? It's, it's this idea of like, we get, we get really good at what we practice. Yep. And so this work is really a practice. And when we, when we're able to approach it as a practice with curiosity and compassion, we're able to stick with it, right? We're able to not have judgment or criticism about like, damn, I, you know, I got on the bike today because I just wanted to numb out, you know? And it's like, okay. And that served that purpose today. Yep. And maybe tomorrow I'll choose something different and maybe I won't, you know, it's this idea of like, I want to be soft with myself so that I can stay on this journey, you know, because when we continue to use a a harsh voice and we criticize and we shut ourselves down, it's really hard to stay on this path, you know, Mm -hmm. this path of maybe something else might serve me better today and maybe, maybe it won't, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, I love this idea of building new neural pathways and it's, it's just, it's just that we have to practice in order to create those new ones. We've got to spend some time doing new and different things and it's not going to happen overnight. That highway is not going to be paved clean and smooth, you know, in one day, which, which sucks because we're in a culture that wants us to just be like, okay, I'm fixed right now. It's all done. All the, yeah, all the hard work in one day. is just like, boom. Okay. (laughs) I was thinking about where, where I am and I, it's, you hit it. You said, um, to do new things, right? You you have to do new things. Mm -hmm. And I'm more just not driving on the highway right now either, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, 
I know I don't want the well-worn one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't not, know about this other one, though. I'm not quite ready to get into the bumpy uh-huh. Uh-huh. highway yeah. at all. Um, but I am certainly curious about the benefits of it because, again, just for like the little bit of willingness I've had to shift just a tiny bit, the gain has been yeah. enormous. Um, so... Uh, with the time we have left, I want you to talk about what it looks like when somebody works with you. What is what is that? What does oh, that mean? It's so different <laughs> depending on, you know, the folks that come. Um, you know, I do private one-on-one sessions. I also do small group sessions. And it really depends on on kind of what their, what their hope is for their relationship with their body. Mm-hmm. You know, is it um, is it establishing a yoga practice? And that's kind of where we begin. Is it, you know, kind of what we talked about, like what is exercise and what is movement and what does that, what does that look like? And what does that feel like for you? Mm-hmm. I think one of the most important things is, is establishing no matter where they're, what they're coming to me for is like, what are your, your values Yeah. and how do whatever we do in this space together, how do we align that mm-hmm. with those values so we can work towards that. And when we miss the mark, how do we compassionately hold space for that and have conversation about that and reevaluate? Like, is that actually the value that I'm, I'm setting? Yes, it still is. Okay. We want to keep working that way or no, maybe it's not quite that we want to re, you know, redo that a little bit or whatever. Um, a lot of the work I, when I started teaching yoga and particularly trauma-informed yoga, I thought it would be a lot of movement and breath. And what I'm finding is that it's actually a lot of education because people just don't understand their bodies. It's so unfortunate that we aren't taught some of these things, you know? It's like we have these powerful systems of the body and the health class is like, yeah, you've got these systems. Good luck. Yeah. You know? It's like, geez. Yeah, and when in (laughs) doubt, the answer is lose weight. Yes, uh, there's nothing else you can do but that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, so much of the time spent is really about educating people. And I think that the education piece of it helps people start to build some compassion. You know, so many times we feel upregulated or anxious all the time and it feels like a betrayal of the body. Like, Jesus, just calm down already. Like, stop with this feeling anxious all the time. Why are we anxious all the time? And then we realize that like, oh shoot, our body must sense threat. How do I work in partnership with my body to figure out a way to be of support? That feels so differently than being critical and frustrated, right? That we are not lent that option. no. How do I work with my body as Mm -mm. a form of support? That's, yeah. Yeah. You said something to me, and I'm not going to get this right, so I hope that you um, will correct me. But when we met one of the times, you said something about, like, working with her. Yes. Working with my body, working with her. Yeah. And that is it, man. That is, like, the, that is the thing. Like, how do we work with our bodies? Diet culture and this society is going to tell us we don't need to work with. We need to fix and change. Yep. There is no such thing as working with. Well, yeah. I'm here to tell you that only goes so far. Mm-hmm. You know, statistically, 95% of diets and weight loss fail. We, we, we gain the weight back. We end up back where we were or whatever. And that's not to create shame over that. That's to just say, like, the problem isn't us. Mm-hmm. The problem is those systems are broken. Yep. It doesn't work. Yep. And so this, this idea of reframing how do we come alongside our body and support of is, is so important. Yep. I think I also believe too that fundamentally, um, while people may listen to this and and be confounded by mm. the how, mm. I really believe that this speaks at a core truth. Like we know it's true that oh. we can work 
along with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like there is there's there is a kernel in us that mm-hmm. no matter how hard the rest of it works to suppress it, there is this little inkling of like so knowing. Yeah. yeah, it's a knowing for sure mm-hmm. that we go, no, I could move toward that and things could be different. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and it's hard when we talk about the voices outside. I mean, man, that is loud. You know, I speaking of work I'm doing with clients, one of those things is like let's let's refine our exposures to these kinds of conversations that are making you feel like shit. When you open up your Facebook page and it's all diet and weight loss talk and shrinking your body and getting rid of your Brazilian butt, whatever that Brazilian BBL. butt, yeah, whatever BBL. that is. I don't yeah. even, yeah, all that uh, eyebrow waxing, whatever. You know, just being curious about like, oh, how is that impacting me? When I close my Facebook, I feel like shit. Mm-hmm. Let's get some of that stuff out of there. You know, let's help you have control. And I think that's the other thing is like, well, we have to take advantage of these things because diet culture tells us how awful we are. It's like, no, you do have some control over that. You don't have to buy in if you don't want to. Um, but it doesn't always feel that way. So giving that choice back to people is, is so important. It almost seems like radical, like, whoa, what are they talking about? You know, like, oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. yeah. And terrifying because, oh. you, and this is, this is similar in lots of ways to the conversation that I, that I've had with Michelle around intuitive eating. It, it, we're not, we're never taught to trust ourselves. No, ourselves, heavens. No, right? no, no. Right. That Mm-mm. can't, that can't happen no. except it can and it does. And it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite part about the work that you do now oh gosh so many things I think I think my favorite part of the work that I'm doing now is watching people realize that they have what they need Mm -hmm. and that sometimes a little bit of support and asking the right questions or or guiding them in a different way is all that they need Mm -hmm. to do the things that they need to do for themselves that's awesome it's pretty amazing. How can people find you? <laughs> yes, they can find me on Facebook um, or on Instagram, Callie Oki Movement Lounge. So this is a funny joke. I'm going to tell it. So my name is Callie, and I joke that I don't sing karaoke. I karaoke. Mm. And when I wanted to name my <laughs> studio karaoke, my husband was like, that is a terrible idea. I don't think you should do it. <laughs> um, and I did it anyway just because he said that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and it's, it's hilarious to find people trying to pronounce it. So it has given me some <laughs> elements of joy for sure uh but anyway on facebook kaliochi movement lounge so k-a-l-i-o-k-e um they could also email me at kaliochi ml at gmail.com awesome is there anything else that you want to share do you feel like you covered it i would just encourage anybody that's listening to this i'm i remember what it was like for me when i started to learn these things and it seemed like such a weird thing like I can make choices for my body and I can work in partnership with my body. It just seemed really foreign. I never had anybody model that for me. I think that I would just encourage them to allow yourselves to get very curious about how you think about your body, how you think about other people's body bodies and to see if you can utilize some compassion for why you may feel that way, um, for why, you know, we've been conditioned this way, noticing what purposes those have served and allowing yourself permission to connect to some of that and choose, choose what better supports you. I love that. Thank you so much for your time and your insight and your wisdom and for the ways that you've said yes to your own relationship with your body so that you can share that with other people. Um, I think that that's, mm, it just gives me hope. So. I love that. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. That's it for today's episode. 
Thank you for being willing to be a witness to these women and to their stories. If you loved today's episode, be sure to subscribe and write a review. And most importantly, invite the women you know to join this chorus of courage and help us make a world where everybody belongs. I'll see you all soon.